Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Kristen Williams, physical therapy and senior lit teacher. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Laura. (laughs) Let's get started. I think you have a question to start us off. Yes, I do. So we got an email from our friend, Elizabeth Fryer. She said, what do you think about custom shoe inserts? So I have a story about custom shoe inserts. Uh, the whole reason I got into physical therapy was I was running track at Indiana University. I was an accounting major, and two things happened. First, I kept getting injured, and so I kept seeing the trainer and then physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons, and that was going on. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then number two, I was taking microeconomics and statistics, and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not going the business route. So I started looking in to physical therapy and switched my majors. And so going through all of that pain, I had shin splints and I was running in terrible shoes just because that was the brand that the university, you know, they're labeled by and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I got, I took an internship between college and PT school just to make sure physical therapy is what I wanted to do. I went up to University of Michigan, did an internship up there. And this guy... Who I, he was actually an athletic trainer turned PT, and he did custom shoe inserts. And I'd never been able to run without shin splint pain, sprinting, distance, anything. So by giving me a shoe insert and looking at the type of shoes I was wearing, at the time, that was a game changer. I went from not being able to run without pain to suddenly being able to run marathons and never having shin splints again. Knowing what I know now, was it all of the, you know, inserts in the shoes? You know, well, that was a start. Yes. I think that was part of it. You know, I definitely, you can see it. I pronate more on one side. I have a drop navicular on one side. They weren't even. I definitely feel the repercussions in my left hip. Now we know there's so much more about the core and hips that 25 years ago, it was much more foot oriented. 
But I do think there are people, I certainly can say that I benefited greatly from shoe inserts. I don't think they're the only answer, you know, and we do treat from above and below now. But when we're looking, especially at knees, at their shins, again, it's a very, there's something going on when you're having these repetitive overuse type injuries. It can be the training, but it can also be weakness, deficit, and some structural things. So I wish now that I'd been doing yoga back then and, you know, maybe I never would have had those issues, but you never know. So I like them. I don't prescribe them very much as a physical therapist, but I do think in certain cases, they are hugely impactful depending on what you're asking the body to do. That's my story. I think that's a great story. And I think that's a great lesson is that, you know, it, I like that our, fa- our famous answer. It depends, you know, for mm-hmm. certain, for that time in your life, for where yeah. you were and for having chronic injury, it really helped. And whether it helped your brain realign something else, who knows? You know, you have, like Kristen said, we we do look at the whole body a lot more now. Well, we hope we do. Some Sometimes the modern medical model still is looking at the parts. But I think that's that's the answer is look at the whole thing and look at like, well, why is the foot dropping in or or dropping out? Or is it something up the chain? And inserts could certainly help start that activation up the chain if that's lacking. I think I've seen also the opposite where people have worn, worn inserts and that's they've only worn them and they they've it's almost been like a little bit of a crutch and they develop other sets of issues because they've worn them and without them they're experiencing stuff so because again it can almost you know it is a form of it's not passive but there is a passivity to it so i would say just like with anything else like if you went to a chiropractor and you got adjustments that's fine as long as you're also getting some great exercise prescribed to you to help you maintain that position. So similarly, you would need to be getting some foot, ankle, leg, hip, core activities as well. So it's like a it's like a full yeah, you know, basket of stuff as opposed to just one one thing. Well, and I definitely like I only wore them when I ran. So I didn't wear them in my regular shoes or anything. So it was very case specific, you know, to yes. that. But yeah. Now let's look at the whole body. Okay. Yeah. She oh she can right-sided low back hip, upper hamstring, scapula, and trapezius pain all be related? Hell yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. Yes. It can all be related. It could be related if it was on opposite sides too. I mean, if there's an imbalance, there's an imbalance and it can pull from front to back, from top to bottom, from left to right. It can, there can be rotation components. So yes. It could all be related for sure. And so if you're having all of those areas, then you should really get somebody to look at your how you're moving, how you're holding yourself, because that's that's like a that's a long spread of not feeling great without even seeing you. My gut would be there's you're definitely something's happening in the pelvis because there's all this really large fascial covering that spans from the pelvis to the humerus, and that's gonna cover some of the stuff that you just we're mentioning hamstring, low back, and scapula. So probably something's going on in the pelvis, maybe the shoulder, but yeah, just have somebody look at you because that is that is related. Absolutely. It absolutely is related. And I think for people who are, in my experience, people who are experiencing that broad of a range from like head to tailbone, even past, so she's like basically, you know, head to knee type issues. Even though 
you know, a lot of times we think we're strong in our core and we're strong in our core in a pose, but not in a transition. And so when we start, that's where the, like you said, watching you move, but really working on the connection to core with motion. You know, I see a lot of weakness there where people, they might be amazing yogis who can do all these fancy handstands and arm bound, maybe not handstands, but handstands needs a lot of core connection. So they probably aren't doing handstands, but they're doing a lot of fancy stuff, but, but they're weak in that entire core container from shoulder to hip. So like you said, it's probably the pelvis, it's probably the hips, it's probably the, it's that entire cylinder of the core is not as strong as we would like it to be, or it needs to be for whatever you're asking it to do. So I would really reevaluate how that is engaging throughout whatever activity. If it's yoga, you know, how, what does your practice look like? Is it a strong, strong as in really intentional and can you move with intention or is it more of a saggy, more of a hyperextending or um, a loose flow? Just by making little tweaks in your practice, even on the mat, can make huge gains. We see it all the time where people, they'll start practicing and then they're, they're pain-free in a matter of months. And that is because they're integrating their movement with the core. Pelvis. Exactly. Bravo. Triple S. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, like, and exactly like Kristen said, it's the transitions, it's the dynamic core stability that is mm-hmm. often not always in, integrated. And, you know, one of my favorite PTs, um, Shirley Sarman said, like in walking, for instance, something we do all the time, if you notice any degree of lumbo-pelvic rotation, there is a lack of core integration happening. Even if, if you notice it by the eyes, just by the eyes, not even measuring it. So think about that. Like when you're walking, like how are you walking? Are you, is there a lot of, lot of movement, rotation, stuff like that? Even things like just a very, like something we do every single day where we think, oh, you know, I can do this, no problem. How are you walking? Are you, cause that's, that, those are little tiny transitions over and over again. So you can just start to think about doing it on the mat. And like you said, off the mat, but uh, go take our classes and I'm sure you'll be helped. <laughs> Okay. It's always hard not to say that because I do, you know, we get so many questions that we know, like if you just go onto Lit Daily and you start taking foundational series, these, the beginner series, like all these classes that really hone in on paying attention to how you're moving, how you're holding yourself as you're moving, it changes. And it's really, you can get that information on the screen. And occasionally you might need that look, you know, Sometimes I will have lit teachers who are still not teachers, lit practitioners who then will, I'll, you know, it's one private session just to have yeah. a, 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 you know, educated eye and tweak a couple things and they're, they're that much better. So, yes, exactly. Like we can think a lot of people can, they're thinking hard and they're doing, they're doing well, but there's a fine tuning that their brain just is not yet registering that as professionals, we can look at and say, hey, try doing this. And that one little correction can help out tremendously. Yep. Okay. My own way, yoga tips. I love her. Tips for down dog at the wall. My knuckles keep popping up. Lack of strength, question mark, poor alignment. Thanks. Um, Yeah. I mean, so I would look at alignment, you know, like but I would, you know, when you're thinking about the hands, is it a passive, you know, are you getting, is there too much 
wrist extension, you know, which is causing that, you know, what, when you think about the knuckles popping up, it's usually because the tendons are pulling and that's causing that. It's a passive pull. So I would certainly love to look, that's Eva. I would love to look at her alignment, you know, shoulders over wrists over, you know, and maybe she needs a little bit of a lift up in the core to unweight the wrists, you know, that's my thought is that it's almost like a little pulley, you know, something mm-hmm. is getting pulled from the forearm, the wrist that's tenting those. Cause if it's not intentional, it's usually passive yeah. structural thing. What do you think? I, yeah. And I'd love to So send us a picture for sure, Eva. And the other thing is in down dog on the wall, I've seen this a lot because it's in one of our recent teacher training classes. And so a lot of people have been posting and asking us about it. People are very enthusiastic. It is very, it is, to me, it is, let's just be clear, it is harder than a handstand by far. It is super, super challenging. What you do is you get in your down dog or you get into quadruped and then you lift, you know, you step your feet up so that they're, you're trying to form essentially 90 degrees. But most people are going to have to bend their knees and be on the balls of their feet just like they would in down dog, maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. And that upward lift into the pelvis has to be maintained. So people will start with that and then they straighten their knees and then everything kind of like wobbles out. So straightening the knees puts the pelvis right over the shoulders. That's massive amount of weight going down. And if you don't have a good push back into the ground and lift up with those deep abdominals, they're gonna you, you can sway in your back or like this is probably what's happening with, with you, Eva, is your, your hands are coming up because it's just you don't have the upward lift, all of it's going down or too much downward lift. So I would really, really recommend keeping your knees bent and not being too eager to straighten them, but to keep the pelvis up, up, up. Keep thinking of like a little hoist, a pulley underneath yeah. your pelvis. will keep lifting it up. I just want to say like, like you have a string on your tailbone, try to lift that lift up from the, from the pelvis, like zoop. Yeah. yeah. People think of the shape, of course, Getting into 90 degrees is fine, but what they're not seeing energetically is that it's everything's still going up. Even if the pelvis isn't higher than the ankles, they're still, or much higher, there's still, there's so much lift, so much lift. Rockstar Mama 777, what do you think of inversion tables for back pain? I'll let you start with that. So the, my clinic that I worked at in Kentucky years ago had one and I loved it. I mean, do I think it's the end-all be-all? No. Do I think it's a great way to get passive traction? I would get on it almost every day just because it feels good. It feels good to unweight. Now, we do a lot of things in yoga that creates a very similar tractioning type of sensation when you can kind of get that, that abdominal brace to traction yourself. So it is a passive traction. I think that it is, you know, I would do it if I was feeling like I just wanted to hang, but I do I think of it as something that I would buy if I, I, I love to do things more actively. I mean, it's, um, it's a passive traction. So I think, and then you have the issues of obviously, you know, the blood, you know, hypertension, da, 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 that you'd be careful with, but I'm not going to lie to you. I got on it all the time. I loved it. It feels good for a temporary relief of back pain because you are unweighting the spine and taking pressure off if you have facet joint arthropathy or any type of impingement issues, you're unweighting that. So it, it feels good. But for long-term treatment, I don't think it's going to do the job. You, got, you have to relearn how to move, 
how to engage the core, how to stabilize the spine, check your posture. All the things have to be going on along the way, but an inversion table can help you manage symptoms in the short term. Yeah, I, that's pretty much ditto is what I would say. If it's just back, it, also what is the back pain being generated by? I mean, sometimes you won't know that, but this is really, I think, specific for opening up space. Yeah. You know, people that have any nerve impingement or discogenic stuff, getting that extra space in there can feel lovely. And then you can set yourself up that you're like pain-free for a while and do some exercises. But just to have it for other versions of back stuff, I I don't think it'd be worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Morgan Stevenson, do percussive... These are all about products. Do percussive massage guns work? Well, I I was... um, I'll tell you my take. I don't know enough to really say, to be honest. The research, of course, is limited because these are fairly new. And as upon my last reading of it, there doesn't seem to be any research that supports that they are doing any you know, long-term healing or anything. I was sent a percussive gun and I try... I mean, it feels really lovely. My, my son loved it, you know, because he does a lot of basketball and he would get tight in his calves and, and he would just sit there. He used it a lot more than I did. So some of it is like, I feel like I'm pretty balanced. I don't have a lot of like areas that are trigger pointy or really knotty or or just feel like they need to be kind of pounded. But he loved it. So I, I think it's one of those things like if you listen anecdotally or even the uh, placebo uh, effect, the placebo yeah. effect is super powerful, people. It is form of medicine its own. If it makes you feel better, Okay, that's great. I, you know, like so. So all these gadgets, I'm like, I don't know if you should go out and buy them because what? Do, here's the honest thing: what happens? You usually get it, you use it, and then you stop using it. That's what mostly happens. So I think it's like, what do you want it for, and would you use it? And do you think it would make you feel good if it did, and you used it pretty frequently? I think it would be worth it. The research does not support that, though. I will say, from, from what I, from what I've read. Well, yeah. Well, and I would say the research doesn't support a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I know. You know. So I was going to um, say, don't necessarily go with that. But. The re- but yeah, I mean, I think that to your point, if you, you're pretty balanced, but my son loves it too. His athletic trainer uses it on his calves for basketball players. So it's just, it's soft tissue mobilization. It's manual therapy. It is, and it's a way to do it to yourself. It is a, I believe in manual therapy. I believe in massage as a part of the treatment process as a component. So it's a component of a way to do it yourself. I use lacrosse balls, you know, so it's my way to get into my own soft tissue areas just a little bit deeper if I'm feeling particularly tight. Um, It's not that often, but occasionally, like my butt right now, my left glute is just talking to me. So I'll probably get that guy and roll around on it. Same thing with a therapy gun. I mean, I'm sure they're expensive, but people love them. And I think there's something to be said for the power of touch, the power of manual massage, mm-hmm. the power of percussive, the power of, of even light touch. Is It's feeding the brain. You know, it's, it's, you're, you are getting a neuromuscular response, but it has to be, to be effective, I believe, it has to be part of a treatment program. So you're also addressing the other areas. So I think they're great. Like you said, they make you feel good. Yeah. Use it. But make sure yeah, exactly. you're also looking at everything else. I mean, I was just thinking about like, if you've ever gotten a pedicure or just anywhere where they have one of those 
chairs that has that. Of course, that's really expensive. So a percussive instrument compared to that is way less. And that just feels amazing. You know, yeah. it just feel like, it again, is. it's the touch of being and the tissue being mobilized and, you know, and all those things have a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, when I say placebo effect, I'm really like, if something makes you feel better, then do it. I, I think that's great. Me too. All right. Star-like yoga. Is it okay to do lit with a history of hip dislocation happen three times? What to watch for? Goodness, you are a minority. Right, hip dislocation. Hip dislocation, that takes some work. Uh, Well, I think I'm glad you're doing lit. I think Mm -hmm. you are going to, what I would do if I were you is I would get my hands on that, that, you know, on that, whatever hip it is. So, because we do a lot of hip stability work. That is what you need. Of anybody out there, if you're a person who dislocates, there's nothing you need more than core and hip stability. However, there are some positions that we may go into, like a deep internal rotation, you know, airplane internally rotating or a revolved half moon coming, that you might need to get a little hands-on. That's what I would say. Get your hands on yourself so you are telling those muscles to work. Because there's probably a story behind not only you dislocating, there's a structural story, but there's probably also a neuromuscular story as to what isn't working. So there is, in my opinion, nothing better than lit to address the neuromuscular side, but you might need a little bit more, a lot more maybe feedback than the average person. And you might need to modify your ranges. You're not going to want to go to those deep end ranges if there is a structural reason that you are dislocating. We don't often go there, but you might go there by accident. Mm -hmm. So I would say minimize your range of motion for any type of, you know, stuff that feels, you know what it is, those things, you know, Laura or something like, woo, I can feel that hips working. Yeah. Airplane, yeah. I would say exactly that. And I think actually lit is perfect for you because that reset is based on developmental sequencing, which is about getting those proximal postural muscles stronger so that you can then come upright and start walking around, right? So doing all the stuff on the floor is such great feedback for that. In fact, if you did nothing else, I would just do a lot of stuff on the floor with uh, all the reset stuff. Because, and even into our sun cell one, which is considered part of our reset because of the half kneel, that's where you want to pay attention. Like if you don't have the feedback because you've been overstretched, you might be sinking like in a traditional Anjane Asana and that's not the position you want your pelvis to go into and the hip joint to slide anteriorly. So really just just think of holding yourself together as much as possible. And like Kristen said, minimizing big movements and big movement transition where that hip would not be as supported. If you, you know, again, the story is there structurally, neuromuscularly, all of that at its bottom line, you definitely are not having the same amount of feedback. So you're going to have to generate that feedback of where an end range is. And so really summon, obviously, all the gluteal muscles, the deep external rotators, the abdominal muscles, all all of those to help secure the, the hip. That's fascinating though. You are unique for sure. All right. Last question. Here we go. 12 years of SI pain from yoga seated twist. This is by Kathy Lank. Poses to avoid, modify, and how to strengthen. Mm. 
You're not alone, Kathy. So you're probably talking about the traditional yoga seated twist. Maybe you've done Ashtanga where there's a ton of that seated twist, all the different variations. You know, SI pain is very healable. If you really, again, I would say go to the go to our lit classes, do the reset. It's all about establishing the stability in the center, at the pelvis, in the low back, in the around the skeleton. That's what you need. So and you need to get retrained what it what a twist is. Like you're probably, if you're sitting and twisting, that's passively, but even like in a crescent, what we call a twisted crescent, you need to turn in your spine and ribs and not in your pelvis at all. And then any kind of, you know, like if you were doing a revolving triangle, any kind of thing where you're really pulling on the hamstrings and turning, definitely you want to avoid that. But we don't do that in our classes anyway. So I guess the answer is try lit. Yeah. And I, you know, when, whenever somebody has SI joint pain or and chronic pain, I'm looking to the next closest place. I'm looking at your hip strength, your hip mobility, you know, and I don't mean like Flexibility. flexibility. About yeah, I'm talking joint, joint mobility. mobility. Yeah, where you, you know, that might be something that, that that you could work on improving the hip mobility, joint mobility. If it's lacking, it might not be. But if it, you know, or are they really weak? So you're going into that SI joint. You know, why is the of, the, of all areas, the SI joint, why is it getting pounded? Usually it's weak hip, weak core. And so especially something like a seated twist that is passive, Usually, I mean, not always, you know, sometimes I'll just do like a a hold, but, you know, we like to add movement to ours a lot of times to make it less passive. But for someone like you that feels pain with a passive stretch, you know, something else, it isn't moving well. To your point, the spine needs to rotate. The ribs need to rotate. Maybe your shoulders are tight, you know, so it ripples all the way up and down the body. And it's for you, it's manifesting in the SI joint, most likely because some other structure isn't doing its job. And so I would, you know, really encourage you to, you know, just take a look at those areas and then modify. You know, you might just be built. There are people, you know, traditional yoga is built for the abnormal body. It's built for the person with ridiculously open hips, ridiculously long hamstrings, ridiculously open shoulders. Most people aren't built that way. Most people don't have hips that will open up all the way or hips that really, that's the big thing. The external rotation in traditional yoga is ridiculous, really. So if you're not getting it there, you might be going into your SI joint, might be going into your knee. So making little adjustments in your feet or in your practice, it's not making it any easier. Trust me, you make those little adjustments, your practice is going to be harder because you're going to be working those areas that are being lazy, which is why your SI joint is getting the shit beat out of it. So, you know, really getting, yes, getting on lit, comparing left to right, taking a look at your body and then, you know, modifying. And you're going to, you're going to be pleasantly surprised the result of the decrease in pain when you start addressing weakness that are in other areas because your SI joints getting pounded for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, the glutes are huge. Uh, They are, the glute max is a huge stabilizer for the SI joint. So when anybody says they have SI joint, I don't even have to see them. I can imagine what their glutes are going to look like in terms of their ability to fire well. 
And so really focusing on there because your SI joint has gotten pinched, squeezed, whatever, you know, pounded on because I bet your glutes are not firing well at all. So get glutes on our core. program. I promise you, glutes, more core. And as always, we so appreciate you. We'd love to get your feedback and you can write us with questions. You can find Kristen at KB Williams 99. Is that right? That's, that's your email. No, but is it also Instagram? That's, that's also yeah. my Instagram. Yep. Yes. All right. And then I'm Laura.hyman. You can DM us. You could also email us. And we'd love it if you subscribed, rate, and review our podcast. And if you send a screenshot of your review to support at lityoga.com, we will send you a link to a free class just for you. So especially those who haven't tried out Lit Yoga yet, this would be a good way to try it. We're so appreciative of you. Thank you, Kristen, as always. What a pleasure. You're welcome. I love it. I love you. I do too. I love you. And we are pulling for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.